Sunday morning discussion on Weekend View. Good morning, Margaret and the team. Uh, Africa has got a lot of uh, things to gain from Russia. Take, for instance, the grain. Uh, there's a shortage of grain in Africa, which has now uh, resulted in the prices being skyrocketed because of uh, um, the demand exceeding the supply. Uh, coming to Ukraine as well, oil prices have been way up since the beginning of since the start of this war. I think the African leaders are on the right trajectory by pressing. Uh, uh, Russian President Putin to reconsider his military offensive uh, to his neighbor Ukraine. I trust that it's going to yield positive results for this continent. This is Rav Solchen, Dobazukhangile in Devon. I think it's very clear. When Putin decided to invade um, Ukraine with his mercenaries uh, and do some rape, looting and plunder just for his own benefit, um, he didn't think through the fact that he would seriously disrupt the world's food supply. And I think the fact that so few countries attended this meeting, um, they are beginning to send a message to Putin that we don't want to get involved in your illegal wars and you have no right to interrupt trade, particularly with an innocent country that we do business with like Ukraine. Mike Newlands. Thank you very much for those voice notes. Mike, of course, our regular. And Ndogazo, we missed your voice notes last week. And uh, let's uh, then get into our Sunday morning discussion. African leaders pressed Russian President Vladimir Putin on Friday to move ahead with their plan to end the Ukraine conflict and to renew a deal crucial to Africa on the safe export of Ukrainian grain, which Moscow pulled out of last week. Now, while not critical of Russia, the leaders appeared more concerted and forceful than they voiced until now. That served as a reminder of the depth of African concern at the consequences of the war, especially rising food prices. Now, speaking at the summit on Thursday, President Vladimir Putin said Russia was ready to supply six African countries with between 25,000 and 50,000 tons of grain free of charge. Unlike the previous Russia-Africa summit in 2019, attended by 43 African leaders, this time only 17 were in St. Petersburg, including President Cyril Ramaphosa, who last month led an Africa peace mission of leaders from the continent, despite many African countries' long-held desire to remain non-aligned in the Russia-Ukraine conflict. They've been dragged into the fight by big powers who are exerting pressure on the continent to take sides in the war and to look at this outcome, of course, the outcomes of the summit. But just some analysis behind it, we're joined on the line by Professor David Monyai, Director of the Center for Africa-China Studies at the University of Johannesburg, as well as Peter Fabricius, who is a foreign Afri- foreign affairs journalist at the Daily Maverick. Good morning to you both, and thank you so much for your time. I'm going to start with you, Professor Munyai. The, the attendance and, and non-attendance of a number of African you know, um, leaders and heads of state in this particular regard has been seen by some as either could be them staying away, but others are saying it might be pressure from some of the Western countries who are forcing them to take a position here. I wonder what did you make of that? Uh, I think for me, um, good morning, um, the answer for me is all of the above. Um, there are a number of reasons. The environment um, this uh, of the summit, I mean, it's different from the other. 
there's ongoing war. So I think when African head of states, some of them considered security as a major reason, and you are aware uh, with the head of states uh, led by uh, President Ramaphosa that had gone there previously, um, they had uh, transport and logistical uh, challenges in Poland. Um, in a war situation, some um, will see this war uh, and oppose what's happening there. So there are a number of reasons, but we cannot count out uh, the fact that Western countries have also exerted enormous pressure on some of these head of states, particularly those who are dependent on Western aid. And Peter, I understand you were meant to attend the summit, but your accreditation was declined. Why? Yeah, no, the, the Russians never gave me any reason for uh, changing their mind. They granted me the accreditation and then they took it back. Um, I assume it's because, you know, the paper I write for and that I was going to be representing at the summit, the Daily Maverick, has been quite sharply critical of uh, the war, Russia's war against Ukraine. That, that's the only possible explanation. And how did that make you feel? I mean, as a journalist, our, our work is quite important and and we always want to be able to be front and centre in telling yeah. the stories. Yeah, look, I mean, it was it was clearly uh, unacceptable. And, I mean, I, I don't think that Russia should be dictating to African countries who they send to um, this event. I mean, Russia shouldn't be dictating to anybody, actually, but particularly not to African uh, countries since we are you know, supposed to be co-equal uh, partners in this in this event. Uh, this was supposed to be a summit between Russia and Africa, so it's uh, totally unacceptable. Prof, one of the things that, you know, as, as I was speaking to some of the analysts in the course of the week around this uh, Russia-Africa summit, some are saying that the concentration of power, one, um, you know, country calling a number of African countries is something that, they are skeptical about because it might look like there's a, a a big brother kind of approach here and they wonder if the summit could yield any positive result for Africa. And I wonder what do you make of that particular argument? Does it have legs? For, for me, I think we as Africans need to do uh, take uh, stock of all the strategic partnership we have. Uh, with the U.S., with the um, European Union, with China, Japan, and so many others, we indeed can't go to all our, um, countries, our head of states going to, as a group, to even smaller countries such as in South Korea. So I think we need to look at what kind of benefits are we getting and uh, should we receive 10, 20 calls and which one to, which call to pick first? It has to do with pragmatism um, and also the question of equality. Uh, I think there is a need for the Russia-Africa summit to alternate. I mean, if they go and the next one should be held in Africa. So there should be a gradual way of Africa setting itself. And I did not to just rush to every capital um, I think we're not that uh, desperate that we, we need to affirm some of smaller countries. 
Peter, are we are we are we doing that though? That are, are we going into these particular discussions in your view as you know a strong force to be reckoned with, or are we still finding ourselves on the back foot in terms of some of the relations with the world? Yeah, I, I don't have a problem with um, these summits per se. You know, and and every African country, of course, is completely free to decide whether or not to attend. I mean, they. There was a proposal recently by Kenyan President William Ruto that Africa should send a few representatives, you know, so it's not like 54 leaders potentially arriving to meet one leader of the other country. But uh, that's, that's up to individual countries. And um, so I, I think that uh, – I, I certainly think that there should be a more um, – a considered uh, approach by African countries before they go – but, you know, the problem is with Africa that there isn't really all that much of, 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 a, of, a, of a sort of common position on a lot of issues. And so it's quite difficult to, to actually establish a common African position to, you know, present to Russia or the you know, U.S. or whoever. I mean, the one thing that's interesting about this, I'm sure you're going to get around to it, is that mm. as you mentioned in your intro, the grain deal, mm. where at least, mm. at least those leaders, including President Ramaphosa, who who on that African peace mission did did present a uh, an argument, um, really asking Russia to re, you know restore the Black Sea Grain Initiative. And I'd like us to talk about that just after the break because I wonder what kind of impact is you know that kind of concerted effort and strong voice from African leaders likely to yield in terms of results in this particular instance, especially given what is happening currently between Russia and Ukraine. But let's take a pause for a second and we're coming back with that. Sunday morning discussion on Weekend View. We are still in conversation with uh, Professor David Munyai as well as uh, Peter Fabricius, and we're looking at uh, the issue of the Russia-Africa Summit. Prof, um, I wonder, though, given what you know, some of the reports are saying when it comes to how the, the, the heads of state and those in attendance were quite strong in their voice as Africa for the resumption of the, you know, the Ukrainian grain deal, that, of course, that Black Sea Grain Initiative, did we make a strong enough case, you think? I think they they try their best, but uh, given the uh, situation on the ground uh, in a war situation, it will be really difficult for them to um, convince President Putin um, to reopen, uh, given the situation. Uh, President Putin's justification for pulling out of the grain deal has to do with the, the recent attack by uh, Ukraine uh, on Crimean Bridge, the one that links um, Russia and, and Crimea, uh, the occupied um, part of, of, of Ukraine uh, in 2014. But on this particular matter, for me, um, uh, presents a golden opportunity for Africa. In every crisis, I think each crisis uh, brings opportunities. We hold some of the best um, um, arable land. Sixty uh, percent of arable land in the world is on the African continent. So instead of depending on handouts um, and begging uh, external uh, role players such as President Putin, 
or and Ukraine, we should turn around um, the situation and ensure that um, Africa produces sufficient food, firstly for itself, uh, as well as for the world. Um, we already see what's happening in Ethiopia. Ethiopia is, is, is doing a great job in terms of um, repurposing its land um, and relying less and less on Ukraine and Russia. Uh, the DRC, um, South Africa, is also a, a agriculture uh, producing country and a number of countries. So, yes, the war is bad. And yes, we are in a terrible situation in terms of the disruption of the global value um, mm. chains, uh, grain in particular. But at the same time, I think we need uh, to really look internally and try to find best ways so that we avoid with future wars to be dependent on a number of issues. We learned a lot of lessons yeah. with the COVID-19 and the vaccine. Um, so this is the time to really build our own uh, global failure chains. And Peter, I'm going to come back to you in just a second. I do understand we've got Clifford on the line from Mpumalanga. Clifford, what's your point? Let's keep it very brief. My sister, I just like to thank the EFF for for reminding South Africa that uh, we need to go away from the West. We need to stay with BRICS because what the EFF said yesterday, it is not a a, a pro Putin stance. It's not a pro Russia stance. It is a pro BRICS stance. We need this, and I see that uh, other African countries they've been a coup. We hate coups, but there's been coups. They, we want the West out. Just kudos to the EFF for reminding South Africa that we need to stick with to to stick with BRICS. All right, thank you very much, Clifford from Mbomalanga. Appreciate that. Uh, uh, you, that's your view, of course. So we can't, um, you know, uh, dispute it. But let's then look at what what you know this particular issue that we are talking about when it comes to 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 the grain deal, because a whole of talk around the BRICS summit, I suppose Clifford is still going to come because whether or not that is a good move, it's it's up in the air for a number of people. We'll talk about that when the time comes. Um, Peter, one of the things, though, that Prof touches on is around handouts and South and Africa looking at itself and going to the world in a begging bowl. There was, of course, that offer um, and, and what the, 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 the Russian president said around making available between 25,000 and 50,000 of tons you know, of grain free of charge available to six African countries a number of people said don't take these handouts we need to do what we need to do as africa on our own and not simply rely on others i wonder what did you make then of that particular offer yeah you know i mean i had, I had already said in a, in a piece for the daily Maverick that it, it was you know patronizing and and, and no, no substitute at all for the black sea grain initiative and i was quite pleasantly surprised i have to say and so were some Ukrainians that uh, President Ramaphosa basically said the same thing, you know. In the, in the, in the speech which he gave uh, at the dinner on Friday night of the African leaders who participating in the peace mission, mm. he said, uh, I mean, he, very politely, you know, in, in Putin's presence, he said that, you know, we, you know, um, you decided to, to, to make grain and that's very... Um, uh, that's that's very generous of you. Uh, but he said we are not here to plead for donations for the African continent. Uh, we recognise your generosity, but we here is is uh, is basically to ask you to resume the grain initiative. You know, and, and that's that's opening 
you know, the Ukraine uh, grain um, market to the world, or the, the grain supply to the world market, um, which is affecting Africa. And, and, and even if he's, I mean, he handed out, uh, he, he promised to hand out um, specific amounts going to certain countries, Burkina Faso, Zimbabwe, Mali, Eritrea, mm-hmm. you know, the Central African Republic, sort of 25 to 30,000 tons of of grain each, but it's that's not quite the same thing as mm. opening the, the you know the Ukraine market to the to the world and opening the sea. And I believe he didn't. They didn't get a very good response to that um, that request. Yeah, and, and, and one wonders how, in fact, all of that is going to gain and whether some of, you know, the, the, the tough words we heard will yield, will yield any mm-hmm. result. But let's see then what happens with this one. But let me thank you both for your time. And we'll certainly hopefully speak again as, you know, we're looking at that BRICS summit that's, that's coming up and what does it all mean, especially, you know, you hear people like Clifford talking about just, you know, get the West out. But... Is it really a wise move, as some have said, maintain all your relations and make sure that you keep your relations not at the expense of one to the other? So what do you make of this particular discussion? But let me thank our guests this morning, Professor David Munyai, Director of the Center for Africa-China Studies at the University of Johannesburg, as well as Peter Fabricius, who is a foreign affairs journalist at the Daily Maverick.